The Joe Beaver Show is on the air. 22. What do you mean? 22. 22. After all the uncertainties of the past two years, there's been an expectation and a hope for a more normal 22-23. But now the question is... USC and UCLA do. They're both Big Ten schools. Yeah. But where does that leave the rest of us? Who could possibly answer that question in this strange new era of analytics? Mad transfers. How did it get here? Well, it looks to me like you portaled it. A what? You know, portal from wherever you were to here. What's that? It's a, a different kind of portal. It's just changed so radically, and we're all running to catch up. And realignments. They both be pencils. Yeah. All we do know is the boys are back. And the Joe Beaver Show plots its own course. Now there are a few more topics that we have to cover. And we will not talk about transfers, and we will not talk about my mother. We will talk about what I want to talk about. Fair enough. Who's next? Who's next? Who's next? Joe Beaver is on 1240 Joe Radio. All right, here we go. Here we go. Good morning, everybody, on a Thursday. I'm John Warren. Sitting across from me is T.J. Matthewson, and it is Joe Beaver Show time. T.J., how you doing? Uh, I think I need more coffee. I, like I had, I've had my normal amount this morning. Are you dragging? But I get here, I feel like I'm dragging, and I got more sleep than I normally do last night. I fell asleep before midnight. Don't come down with oh, before midnight. Before midnight, <laughs> no. We we have different sleep schedules. I do remember those days. I used to love watching Letterman every night at eleven thirty. Ooh. Way back in the day. See, I just do what you do now, and I just watch YouTube till about midnight yeah. and then fall asleep and yeah. wake up at 8 o'clock. But, uh, like, I wake up at my normal time this morning, and I know they, like, they say sometimes when you wake up at, the, like, the wrong time of your sleep cycle, uh-huh. you drag a little bit more during the day. You know, maybe that's what it is. Huh. I, I don't know, but, you know, I'm going to yeah, turn to my trusty, my trusty cup of coffee well, here. I'll drink to, uh, up that caffeine. To help it up. It was really, I, I never knew about that until I took, like, my psychology class at ASU. And I, I never heard that. No. Yeah, so you it have this, sense, like, though. sleep cycle of, I think it's, like, two hours. I think your sleep cycle is about two hours long. And there's points where if you, like, wake up where you're, I believe you're in, like, deep sleep, uh-huh, you ran, wake up, you're, sleep. like, you can't, like, you're, you're, you don't have your bearings, really, because <laughs> your mind is still, like, stuck in deep sleep, yeah. and, it, and it sort of drags on you. And there's, like, this ideal window in your sleep cycle for when you wake up. Maybe there's someone who's actually in our text line or one of our listeners who could maybe explain it a little bit better than well, I can. But there is there, there are preferred windows of when you wake up. And I think that's why they recommend you get eight hours because eight hours, your sleep cycle will be in the right spot when you wake up. In the movies, I know they just kind of wake up. The sun crosses their, their eyes and they just uh, uh, wake so up and they're Have fine. you heard that like 30-minute naps are good and 90-minute naps are good? I've heard twenty but hour. 20 yeah, twenty minutes. is good because I mean it's in the it's probably yeah. it's in the same window as thirty, right? Yeah, yeah. You would think in the cycle, but like an hour long nap is not because once you reach an hour of being you're asleep, too deep. you're in deep sleep and yeah. you wake up and it screws up your whole day. But if you're in an hour thirty minutes, yeah. 
then you can wake up easier. Oh, I, an hour is no good, but an hour and a half is okay. Right, because it's a different part of your cycle. Oh, good to know. Right. So <laughs> I won't stop myself knowing, oh, I can do an hour and a half. So like, I don't like, so whenever I have to take a nap now, it's like, I don't take like hour naps. Hmm. I've never had like a good hour nap, but I've had a good 90 minute nap and I've I, had a good 30 minute nap. Yeah, I can do 30. 90 is good too, but I don't know. Have to have to look into that. Something to think about. Um. Today we have a, a loaded show, but we do have time for texts and phone calls. And the University Honda text line is 541-497-5356. And the, uh, down, uh, the uh, Downward Dog phone line is the same, 541-497-5356. But we have a loaded guest show, which means not for the whole show, but, but just three different guests. And coming up at 1140... Uh, Lamar Hurd will join us from the Portland Trailblazers as they are on the road. Losing 113-106 to yesterday at Minnesota, GP2 did not play, but it wasn't because of the core injury he took five months to, to rehab from. It was from a sprained ankle, a slight sprain anyway, and they just decided to hold him out. He had a pretty good line, 13 minutes. He was on a pitch count, if you will, for lack of a analogy to a different sport. In his first game. In his first game. Yeah. But he still, and this is the one thing about GP too that I, I I remember going back to when he was uh, coming here or here at Oregon State for his two years, is that he gets numbers in virtually every category. He doesn't just get a whole lot of points and a whole lot of rebounds. He'll get a really good number, an, an above normal number, like four steals, two blocks as a guard. Um, He'll get fouls too, but but he'll he'll feel he will get numbers in virtually every category, and uh, they're slightly more than you would normally see. So some players, you know, eh, twenty minutes, ten bo- uh, ten points, maybe five rebounds. He'll get fifteen points, seven rebounds, four steals, two blocks, um, you know, off, three offensive rebounds, and have an attempt. Or, and or completion in every shooting category there is. I love GP2. We all do in Beaver Nation. So Lamar can speak to that. Drew Eubanks and, of course, the Blazers as well. But I want to focus on the two uh, former Oregon Staters. That's at 1140 this morning. Heather Seely Roberts will join us at 1205. We had her on the show back in 2018. I just forgot about it. And when uh, Reynolds was trying to broker this deal... He gave me the phone number, and I plugged it into my phone, and her name popped up. Now, it was Heather Roberts, I think, back then. Although, no, it was Celie Roberts. I just had it on my phone as Heather Roberts. I think, I'm trying to think back to remembering her way back in her, the beginning of her coaching career over 20 years ago. And so we'll chat about that. Her sons, Maroney and Malachi, are 6'6 six, six and 6'8. Six, I'm not sure which is the taller. And they are uh, prominent on this Lincoln team that she has completely turned around. And they had a good uh, Les Schwab Invitational. They weren't up there on the champion. They were on the, the winner's side because they won their first game beating Tigered. But then they lost to Bishop Gorman. And the brackets don't show the scores, so I didn't see what the scores were. And then came back off of that in a third game to beat uh, Central Catholic. Mm-hmm. So uh, we'll talk to Heather Seely Roberts about a number of things. One of the reasons why you'd get her on, and we did five years ago, she took the job at Yamhill Carlton, was the first ever boys basketball coach as a female, mm-hmm. and that, that broke that ground. And then when she got recruited by the PIL athletic director, not just Lincoln, 
She became the first PIL 6A level, Mm -hmm. highest level, boys basketball coach three years ago, I believe. And actually, in the pandemic year, when Oregon kind of shut down its its competitive sports, Mm -hmm. she and her family moved temporarily to uh, Moab, Moab, Utah. Utah. Yeah. And she coached a boys team there to like a 22-3 and record. And then they came back in the spring to hear... And continued to continued play, so her son's got essentially Lincoln. two seasons, right? Which <laughs> it's a, that, that works. That's a lot of basketball. That is a lot of basketball, and uh, they're looking pretty good. I don't know. Let's see. Last year in the tournament, they they won one, and then let's see, what did they do? They lost to Cleveland in the second round. That's what they did. So they won in the first round and lost in the second round. And she's had stops as a girls' basketball coach at a number of places over the years. And really look forward to that conversation coming up. And then Sydney Weiss will join us at 1230. We haven't heard from Sydney in a long time here on this show. And it's great. I, we've had her on since she graduated and finished playing at Oregon State. But we haven't heard from her in a long time. And the idea came up just yesterday when we were learning that she will do the analyst work on the Pac-12 network sitting aside and shots for the women's game on Friday against Arizona and then in Tempe on Sunday. So uh, looking forward to that conversation. It'll be interesting to to hear from Sydney because this has been her first full year without playing basketball, at least yeah. professionally, because she was in Italy a year ago playing for... I am Italian, so this is really disappointing that I can't pronounce this correctly. I have some family members who could probably do it. I think it's Lucia... Uh, Lucia in Italy, she was there a, a year ago, averaged 15 points a game in 35 minutes, but she did not play in the WNBA this year. She was with the Washington Mystics last year. So it'd be interesting to see what she's up to now, coaching perhaps. I was trying to scour her social media for for a hint, but I, uh, I couldn't nail anything down. So we're going to have to see from Sydney, but she's back in the Phoenix area. And again, it's pretty easy to get to the two campuses if you're around Phoenix. It's about an hour yeah. and a half to Tucson. Yeah. Ride uh, a stone's throw from uh, from Tempe as well. So I that'll had, be good. Had that bus ride many times with mm-hmm. Oregon State women's basketball. Still never been down there. Many times. I'll have to do it. you never been to Tucson? No. It's really well, nice. No McHale Center is, is nice. Yeah, well, I'm sure it is. Um, it's old, but very nice. And packs a lot of people. Yeah. 14, 15,000, I, I think, think is what it that. is. More than that, maybe. Well, look it up. I don't know. Okay, think, there we go. I, I'm going to guess, I'm gonna guess f- uh, 14, 5. 14-5 for Arizona. Let's see. The McHale Center is... We're going to look at this. I'm... God, this is not loading. This is annoying. 14-5. 14-5, we think? Yeah. Capacity. Wow. That was nearly exact. 14,655. Now, here's a lesson for you as a young person. Remember things? Well, trust people because, you know... I may not be the voice of the Beavers, but I was for years as the women's team, and I've been mm-hmm. down there a million times calling games. You're right. And that's a number that would be on my chart. There you, oh, you're right. 14,000. You're right. You would have said, yeah, you would have said that. All. I, for some reason, thought it was like 18,000 because yeah. I know they're like, they they have they have one of the bigger arenas in the conference I and in the country. Is, yeah, I think it is. The it's bigger than, biggest, bigger, it's bigger than, than they normally hold at ASU. I know that. At what ASU. You, now, what is it? The Wells Fargo, which is no longer called that, but it's uh, the same Desert building. Financial Arena now. Yeah. Uh, they... I don't. They can take. They took away like the, they had these fake back walls on the top deck that yeah. reduced the capacity to I think like nine thousand. But when they started selling a lot of tickets, they moved those and it could go to fourteen. Yeah. 
So it, it's it's pretty close to that. Are they still doing the uh, curtain of distraction? Oh yeah, every year. Yeah, good it, deal. It gets more cringy by year, but it, it is interesting. <laughs> uh, Doug, by the way, said the perfect nap interval is nine minutes. That's interesting. Feels like eight hours to me. Just pull off to the side of the road. No need to ever drive drowsy when you can take a nine-minute nap. Nine minutes. You know, sometimes, like those numbers, the, the experts say they work, like you were t- uh, talking about. We're going to go to the phone lines. Again, 1140 this morning is when we'll kind of start with our, our interviews, but, you, you know, sneak in some calls or some texts here and there on uh, the, the respective uh, lines, the University Honda line, the, the Downward Dog phone line, 497-5356. And first up on the line, we didn't hear from him yesterday, although we were really busy with interviews yesterday. We we got a uh, a bonus when Tristan Jebbia became available. But Dave from Tumwater. Dave, welcome to uh, today's edition of the Joe Beaver Show. Thanks, John, and good morning to you as well, TJ. Yeah, actually, that was that was a good that was quite a coup getting him on, John. My uh, my uh, uh, my congratulations to you because I don't recall him ever being on the show before, and he's kind of a newsworthy figure, so that was a nice job. But my main reason for calling John just quickly one item of old business and then one item of new business. Mm-hmm. I want to take another run at what I called about on Tuesday morning, which apparently got me in trouble with some listeners out there about my uh, lack of sensitivity about the injury that occurred during Monday Night Football. Although you will recall, John, and I hope you can verify this, that I even prefaced it then by saying, I know I'm I'm tending into some sensitive ground here, and that the primary concern everyone should have had was about the athlete, and thank God it seems like his uh, situations are improving. But let me try another run at the point I was trying to make. A lot of people have come in from some very positive reinforcement and acknowledgement, such as the people who literally saved this man's life in front of 60,000 people laying on the floor of the stadium. But what I thought was undeserved was the kudos that I heard going Joe Bucks and Aikman's way about their coverage. The point I was trying to make, John, was that all they really did was deferentially continue to go to break. And the, and the point I was trying to make by way of contrast, and what, what, what great broadcast treatment that was, the reference I made in passing, and unfortunately we kind of got squeezed by the interview yeah. that was coming on shortly afterwards, it stands in contrast, for example, to Jim McKay, Munich, 1972, who was on the air continuously mm-hmm. for 14 hours covering the story. That was only the point I was trying to make. Well, so, and then I was thinking, too, we, sorry, I was thinking, too, of, uh, to add to that, Al Michaels in the 89 earthquake. Another, yes, another good point where there was, and, and, and again, at the risk of belaboring the point, I mean, ESPN is a part of a big news network, Disney, ABC. They could have gotten someone from the Players Union. They could have gotten a doctor. Uh, I, I just found continually going to commercial when there's a, a major sports story going on to be avoiding the situation. And that's the only point I tried to yeah. make. I apologize if I offended anyone. It was a narrow point. Fortunately, the player seems to be on the rebound. Right. DeMar, DeMar Hamlin. So 
maybe we can close the book on that unless there's any more you want to see. I'll go to my second point. Yeah, just a couple of things on this. Um, I, I backed you up a little bit by trying to say a few things about ums and hems and this and that, that those guys probably don't have a lot of experience with filling and killing time. Not killing, but filling time to see what's going on in a holding pattern because they went straight to the top. Aikman from being a quarterback to in the booth, and then Joe Buck. I don't know what his history is, but I, I can imagine. Uh, straight to the top. Straight to the top. <laughs> because of dad. To because of dad. And I think he's one of the best. I honestly believe he's one of the best. But, you know, at the bottom is what I was trying to make the point. You learn how to fill. You learn how to d- say things and, 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 and do things when you don't have a lot of time. And when you do play-by-play, bottom or top, you learn how to do the same thing when you have to, you know, um, rain delays or anything like that. And I was thinking, well, it's possible they've never done that before. I'm not saying they didn't. So I was trying to take that up. But then as I started to say that myself, I thought, you know, it's just too soon. It's too soon with the uh, the rawness of the, the I won't say injury, but the, the heart situation. And I myself didn't even know, because I only watched it the next day on YouTube. When I turned the television on, they were wrapping up. I myself didn't know how much the TV audience saw and how much was being seen, because the YouTube video I saw cut off after he fell down. It didn't show anymore. But Mike told me, oh, no, they showed him scrambling, pumping, doing the CPR, all of that. So it was very dramatic. And that made more sense to me as to why they would clear it out, not not continue the game, all of that. Um, but that was just ignorance on my part, not an opinion until I found out. I'm like, oh, my gosh. OK, yeah, I get that. And I kind of knew that early what? on because they said that. But I didn't I, ne- I never saw what everybody else saw. That's why the players were so upset because they were surrounding it so that no one else could see what was happening. But their their comrade was on the ground, literally being brought back to life. Well, I was watching that whole uh, time, uh, John, and for me, for me to be further argumentative by disputing what Mike said. Yeah. But I don't remember. I thought the network in this case was showing proper discretion yeah. by not showing that. I mean, I was watching the whole time until seven thirty our time that night. I never remember seeing any doctor physically working on a patient out mm. on the field. So I don't know. Okay. Maybe Mike saw some other feed, or maybe uh, because I was texting. I mean, I had people who are not sports fans texting me talking about what a historic moment this was right. for uh, for big-time sports in the country, which it was. And right. That's right. what kind of got me on the whole rift that got me into trouble with at least one listener. <laughs> so maybe we can just kind of drop it at that and move on to my other point of inquiry, and that is what you guys are hearing about the release of the, <laughs> you know, the last – Football season just ended. Yeah. We haven't even started. We got much of basketball. And baseball hasn't even started. But this is just emblematic of where I think Beaver Nation is now, guys. Uh, the release of the 2023 football schedule. Are you guys hearing anything about the timing of that? I've got some further thoughts, but let me just stop there with that question. No, I haven't heard anything from OSU. Um, It'll be in the spring. Outside of uh, we know what the non-conference schedule is, and it's the league that, as you know, will release the schedule. And the only way to answer that question, and I don't know the answer because I haven't paid attention over the years, because I don't care, actually. I just get too busy. (laughs) I just get too busy. All I care about is the non-conference 
And I, 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 that goes back to being a kid. Just I couldn't wait for the pocket schedule to come out because we know who we're playing. That's where in the I want to go. We know who we're playing in the conference, but I don't care. I want to know: Is Tennessee coming to town? Are we going to Iowa? Stuff like that, and that goes back to my childhood. Yeah, I mean, all the matchups are already set. You can go look. The it, it, but I, but I, I will say, yeah. no, and not to take away anything, Dave, from from the curiosity of figuring out, okay, how many buys do you get? How how often are you playing consecutive games at home at Research Stadium? I get that. I totally get it. But I'm but not one I'm, like recruiting. I don't what, care until they get here. Well, what I'm curious, I mean, TGI, I heard TJ say it'll be out in the spring, but TGI checked last year. That is to say, at the end of the 21 schedule season, the 22 schedule is out in December. And, 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 uh, and you know, it's not, there, there are more important things in the world, case in point, what happened Monday night in Cincinnati. Right. But, uh, but it, it, I, I guess uh, I just find my own enthusiasm level for football kind of staying high because of the promise. What I talked about when I called in earlier in the week, the new stadium, yeah. a team that's ascendant. The, maybe the high-powered recruited quarterback, but here, but let, I'll I'll just play just to give you guys something to chew on mm-hmm. um, a version of the pocket schedule game because it seems to me because I, I like you say, Deej, I have the matchups in front of me. We just don't know the dates they're going to be on. Right. But it seems to me vitally important for Oregon State to maybe play the preponderance of what would be thought to be the easier games on the road early in the season. In other words, let's get the game in Arizona. Let's get the game at Colorado. Let's get the game at Cal, which is just bleeding talent down in Berkeley. Let's get those games early in the season, maybe uh, building out what we would hope for at, at a minimum, a two-and-one. I, don't, I think at this point the minimum in the preseason non-conference should be 3-0, and and it's been a long time since we could proceed that confidently. But if we get those, if, we, if the schedule is front-loaded with a lot of the away games early, I think that would enhance the long-term prospects for the season because we want UCLA in Corvallis in November. I think we want the University of Washington late in the season and more and but I'm wondering, again, this is something to jaw about it, hypothetically. Do we want you dub the week before the Oregon game? Because the Oregon game, being there, is shaping up to be probably the, the one game that would be most difficult to forecast a positive outcome in the abstract this far in advance. So anyway, I just wanted to give you guys... And the listeners out there, something to chew on while we wait for the actual schedule to come out. Dave, what are the three non-conference games? Uh, San, Di- uh, San Diego State, UC Davis at home, and uh, San Jose there. <laughs> that should be a three and zero. That should be an absolute three and zero. And and you're not right. Not necessarily, in, not necessarily in that order, though. Well, that's so okay. Maybe it is. The, you ha- it was uh, so San Diego State, uh, or sorry, San Jose State is on the second of September. UC Davis at home on September 9th, and then September sixteenth is San Diego State. Okay, so just one last thought, since we now know the specifics. In, in an odd sort of way, even coming off one of the best seasons in Oregon State football history, that first game at San Jose State with a coach who form he's still the guy that was at. At Oregon State, right? Yeah, Brent, uh, Brent, Brent Brennan. State. Yeah, that that is a tricky game. 
uh, not maybe in the full category of a trap game because it's not between some other games. But I would prefer Davis to be first. I'd I'd rather be playing down there the third game rather than the first. It's just something you need to be on the on the lookout for. But it's fun to speculate and anticipate All right. so nine now, months in advance. Everything you say, I have to counter. I have to at least comment on. Okay. <laughs> Here, to that, to that. And I'm imagining Beaver Nation listening to all of this. To that point, is it too much for me to say none of those three games should be tricky? They should all be easy wins if this team is it reaches the expectations that we all think they can do. And I'm not talking Rose Bowl or CFP. I'm talking another year like we just had. Is there any reason to expect anything less than what we just had? Not really, but we're Beaver fans, John. True, and we're looking through orange-colored glasses. But at the same time, with four out of five linemen coming back, everybody, all these players coming back, you're adding the the Uigabalulele quarterback, there should be no reason to expect any major drop or drop. In fact, everyone's talking about improvement from this year. So you have to open with three uh, relatively easy victories. Now... Best year in Beaver history, 2000, you, you beat uh, Eastern Washington 21-19. So I get it. I get that. But the expectation, I, I wouldn't expect a great year for Oregon State football if you're thinking, if a person is thinking, ooh, that San Jose State game might be a problem. Yeah, well, as I say, it's only because it's the first game, the first game being an away game, Against a coach who used to be on the Oregon State staff, I've just seen that kind of John, some some elements, some mixture of circumstances that would that would until you actually tee up and get the game going that would make it make you a little nervous. Uh, but you know the schedule, that part of the schedule is what it is. But I stand by what I said earlier. Uh, I, I the one game I most want to see in November is get UCLA here in November. Yes. That is actually yeah. strategically yeah. important. UCLA, um, UW, preferably late in the season. And I would say, and Norm, in many years, UW, when we're not playing youth all at home, is in fact the last home game. But this year, because UW and U of O and UCLA are likely to be with Utah, the four, three or four toughest games of right. the year. Uh, I mean, I'm arguing against my own point. I wanted the easier, what looked to be the easier games on the road up front. Uh, so if that's a, if that's a, a kind of a, a tough slate at the end, so be it. But I think the most vital one is to make sure we get UCLA here the first or second week in November. Yeah, I, I agree with that. All right, Dave, thank, great call. Thanks for the call, Dave. You betcha. All right, four nine seven five three five six. Okay. Well, if we're if we're strategizing that, except one one point before you start, that the league makes the conference schedule, so Correct. you can want what you want, but we want, but like they release it when get. they release it. Okay. Well, and they make it, so you get UCLA whenever they tell you you're going to get UCLA. Let's just start with the non-conference schedule, because I've already talked about this. I've already made this point to you a hundred times, it feels like. Mm -hmm. I have no idea why they're playing this game on the road to start the season. Yeah. I have no idea. Like, what? What? Like, why? I don't... I mean, I guess the Beavers are not in a position to be arguing, but should a Power 5 go to San Jose State? No. (laughs) No. And should, should your own team open there? No, you should you should feel better about yourself all the time as being in a power five and insist. No, no, you come here. Uh-huh. We'll give you a two and one, two and one. You come here twice. We'll play for, with that year's once 
third or fourth week in the season. This game was probably scheduled when I was in middle school. So yeah. they couldn't have seen this far in advance. However, you, like we agree. It's like there's no – unless they're like we need to be there for recruiting purposes, 1,000%. In which case I'm like, okay, so maybe you bailed yourself out 10%. But otherwise – there's no reason to be playing on this game on the road. There's just there, there, you you gain you do not gain enough to play this game on the road. However, it's already set. There's nothing you can do about it. Okay, now let's get to the rest of the schedule. So he's Dave was suggesting you play the, some of those early games on the road. Yeah, uh, early easy games on the road, easier games. Mentioning uh, the Arizona Wildcats, I would think most specifically. I don't think Colorado's going to be an easy game at all. Judging that they're added <laughs> they just added you know most of those blue chip guys from jackson state and right. from around the right. country so there they, it is going to be a completely different colorado team so i wouldn't say that's a necessarily easy game so let's just focus on arizona then do you want to play that game early in the season down in tucson when it's hot no what do you think would you rather do you think there's more of a benefit to hosting a home game when it's cold or going on the road when it's hot hosting a cold game when it's home Arizona State fell victim to that. Right. I saw it twice in the last 10 years. Um, so we'll, we'll say UCLA in November is the most important. Yeah. The most important scheduling aspect. If there's anything you can request, it's that the Pac-12 to put UCLA on the road in November up here. Except I don't think, I'm not as afraid of them as as others might be. I just am not. Even if Dante, whatever his name is, is their quarterback. Yeah, Dante Moore. But I don't, I'm not as afraid of them as I would be like a Utah. It is the one, but it is the one school that's not a cold weather school that you host. Right. Stanford, you know, gets cold there on the peninsula. Utah, cold weather. Washington, cold weather. So you take the one sunny school there. It's like, okay, we would want them. We want, that's the one we're going to have a distinct advantage in this game. I think Oregon State does have advantage when it's late in the season and really cold. Correct. Just saying these other schools also play in cold environments. Yeah, but so they're a little no, more no, used like to it. To your point, yeah. the, the, the warm weather schools. Correct. Now, so, they fared very well on a beautiful night against USC this year. Didn't come up with the win. Looking at the end, the way USC ended, you're thinking, man, we really should have won that game. Exactly. But at the same time, it's USC, all that. And Caleb Williams, I mean, come on. The guy is amazing. But, uh, yeah, okay, so keep going. Well, I'm not going to be too shocked if the Pac-12 puts UCLA in the in the opener for the Pac-12 schedule like they did with USC this year. As Dave pointed out, USC never tends to come here when it's cold. Yeah, and to further his point, was it just USC he did or all the, the warm weather schools and how few times they come to Reeser Stadium well, I think when you, it's I cold? I think UCLA falls under that. I know ASU and Arizona come up here when it's cold, but they're not as big brands to the conference. Right. So that'll be interesting to see. Anyway, so Arizona, I mean, you think about that. It's like, well, do you want to play when it's super hot down there? Now, if it's only like 95 degrees, I think you can manage that. If like it gets hot, but you should, that shouldn't still be a problem. Uh, you know, at Cal, at Colorado, you know, yeah, no problem. It, that's not really like that much of a problem. I'm still like, I would raise an eyebrow at Colorado. I still think they're pretty good. Not pretty good, but they will be significantly better than what they were. That one we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, that'll that'll be a wait and see. I mean, at Wazoo, that's a game too. Um, I I don't know when the best time to play at Martin Stadium. I don't know if I'd want to go play there during the winter though. That would be a little uh, a little trickier. I feel like I'd rather have a day game there uh, in slightly warmer yeah. weather against Washington State. So yeah, we I don't tend know. we tend to get that. We tend to go up there early. 
mm-hmm. when it's a, a road trip to to Pullman. We could do like a pocket schedule of these like projected. I I still think we should have these. By the way, I said ten wins when we played pocket schedule game and was. Did you? I can't remember what I said. Did the, I say eight on the text line? Did I say eight? As being crazy. I think I said eight or nine. Yeah. I th- I was I was probably one off. One person said I was crazy, and and I agreed with them. <laughs> but and then yes, I was I was feeling happy and just said, nope, gonna win, gonna win, gonna win. I don't know that we won the games that I said we would win, but uh, yeah, I I could see ten wins. Yeah, I just still can't get over this non-conference schedule. <laughs> I can't do it. <laughs> I can't do it. I'm hung up on it. I, I I don't disagree with you. You have to have and say no, no, a, no. We don't do that at a group of five school. Yeah, well, there's fun. there's been a few, but certainly not to start the year. Right, Beavers is Washington, is Washington a couple of years ago? Is Washington ever going to go do that? Oh, somebody could pull up games where they did. I don't know. I really don't know, but I don't think you'd really want to. No. We need to break. When we come back, uh, Lamar Hurd will join us, and we'll just get uh, Lamar's thoughts on two Beavers that are on the Blazers, GP2 and Drew Eubanks. So I look forward to that conversation. It's next on 1240 Joe Radio. Stargazer Premier Florist in Corvallis knows that the one you care about is expecting a thoughtful gift this Valentine's Day, and they're ready to help safely deliver them the best arrangement possible. Choose from Stargazer's wide selection of Valentine's Day flower arrangements, and they'll deliver a beautiful, unique gift right on time. So you can show them just how special you'd like them to feel this February 14th. Stop in, call, or view Stargazer's selection of holiday arrangements on Online at StargazerPremierFlorist.com. Stargazer Premier Florist, 925 Northwest 9th in Corvallis. If you've been putting off that home remodeling project, this is the year to get it done. For nearly 35 years, people in the Mid-Valley have been going to Corvallis Floor Covering. Stop by and browse through their large showroom. They've got a huge variety of carpet, countertops, window coverings, and wood and luxury vinyl flooring from all the popular brands. So Happy New Year from Corvallis Floor Covering at the corner of 2nd and Van Buren in downtown or CorvallisFloorCovering.com. Shop local. Shop Corvallis Floor Covering. Built upon a solid foundation of cast iron and steel, it's the Kubota L-Series tractor. It's part of a Kubota tractor lineup that's rated number one in durability and owner experience. The durable Kubota L1 features powerful diesel engines and is easy to operate. Visit Lynn Benton Tractor in Tangent or go to LynnBentonTractor.com. Hey everyone, if you're looking for an appliance like a refrigerator or a freezer or dishwasher, cooking appliances, washers and dryers, or an appliance accessory, contact Kellenberger Appliance in Lebanon, the best place to buy appliances at 21 Main Street in Lebanon. They offer install and delivery on the product they sell like Whirlpool, Frigidaire, Maytag, Speed Queen. They even offer service on most major brands. Kellenberger Appliance at 21 Main Street in Lebanon and on the web at kellenbergers.com. What's your power like today? Are you driving a powerful vehicle or are you just getting there? Fall and winter is coming and Power Honda in Albany has the CRV, Pilot, HRV, Odyssey, Passport SUVs, Ridgeline trucks, and over a thousand pre-owned vehicles to choose from to help you get to where you're going this fall and winter. So come, experience the power at Power Honda in Albany or go to mypowerhonda.com. 
Weddings, anniversaries, holiday parties, corporate events, large or small, make them spectacular with Forks and Corks Catering. From delicious bites to signature cocktails, they'll ensure an experience that is a delight for you and your guests. With their fresh cuisine, artful presentation, and polished service, Forks and Corks always creates a spectacular symphony of sensory delight. View their menu and list of venues online. Forks and Corks Catering, events designed to delight. Catering to the Willamette Valley since 2011. All right, continuing here on the Joe Beaver Show, we occasionally will dip into Blazers basketball. We carry the Blazers on 1340 Clue AM. And, of course, there's Beaver connections. And whenever we get Lamar Hurd on the show, of course, Lamar is a former Beaver from uh, back in the mid-2000s and has gone on to do great things because of our conversation in a hotel room in Cookville, Tennessee, when you were my pregame guest. And I'm like, just come to my room. And we did the thing. And you're like, I, I might want to do this one day. And I'm like, okay, cool. Well, watch me. <laughs> or don't watch me. We ended up getting killed that night. Do you remember that game? I, I vaguely do. Vaguely. Um, but you, you probably remember it a lot better than I did. I tried to maybe forget about it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I do remember talking to you, though. Yeah. Definitely one of the more memorable moments in my life. Good, good stuff. Always good to to have you on the show. Uh, by the way, TJ's filling in for Mike, so say hi to TJ. Hey, what's up, TJ? How we doing, Lamar? <laughs> <laughs> TJ's yeah, a, a young kid who's starting out in the business and and will far surpass yours truly and and go on to great things. What year is this now for you uh, working with the Blazers? Seven. Seven. I remember we had yeah. you when you were just starting. I can't believe it. I know. I know. That's that's how time is working these days. <laughs> wow. How do you feel now? How do you feel now versus back then? Uh, a lot different for, man, uh, various reasons, more than we probably have time to, to go over here. But for me, I like being able to connect with people no matter what I'm doing. Uh-huh. And my first year or so with the team, I was the new guy, you know, one of the two new guys. Yeah. You didn't really know people when I would walk into the stadium. I didn't know our other employees. I didn't know the other uh, teammates within the Trailblazers organization. Yeah. And so I just wasn't able to connect the way that I preferred to. And now it's an entirely different experience. Whenever I go to work and and, and able to cross paths with people, I know their names, a lot of them. Yeah. Um, I know their stories. I know who they are, so I'm able to engage with them in ways that I just wasn't able to my first year or so. And, and similar thing with uh, some of the fan base, you know, throughout my seven years, I've been able to meet a lot of the fans in, in different areas, not just inside the arena, but mm-hmm. uh, doing some community work with some people, um, just being at a gym, working out and seeing some people and striking up conversations. So it, it has more of a... Uh, a personal feeling and dynamic to it now, which is what I've always preferred and, and hope that, you know, to get to that place. So that's, that's been fun that I've been able to connect with people at a, at a deeper level. In that first year though, what about road trips? Because when you're on a plane together and especially in the NBA, it's your own plane and you're hanging out in airports and things like that. Did you get a chance to at least know the team through that particular way? Yeah, I did. Um, I wouldn't say that that was like a separator because we have we've had such a good group of players and uh, staff members throughout the time that 
I haven't had to necessarily rely on that time in order to get to know people. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's times before games. Uh, so well, let me let me kind of back up here a little bit. We just had a celebration even for Damian Lillard right. for becoming the franchise leader uh, in scoring. And um, we had a ceremony for him in which I tried to point out a couple of things about him that like really separates him and makes him unique. And, and one of the things is his availability he always gives. So for me, even in year one, this time right before a game, right before tip-off, or right before some other important event, that he would make himself available to talk to me or talk to other Trailblazer employees. And then other players would follow suit and do the same thing. Yeah. Uh, um, and so I never felt like I had to rely on being on a road trip or being on a plane or being somewhere kind of tucked away in order to get some of those moments because they were fortunately provided outside of that. But uh, to the point of your question, John, yeah, those, those times being out and about, when you know you're on the plane and all you have is your group, and you know I got Kevin Clyde sitting right next to me or in the seat in front of me, yeah, there are conversations that get struck up and just things that that happen in natural flow. Yeah, that you would expect with that type of proximity. And the last thing on this, I want to move on to talk about uh, uh, Drew and and GP two. You were a very very good Power Five basketball player. Maybe not NBA, but very good. When you were seven years younger, this is kind of a multifaceted question. Did you ever want to pick up the ball and shoot around with the guys? Uh, did you ever, did they give you respect for knowing, yeah, you played in the Pac-12? Or did some of them just kind of big time you and not even act like you or anybody? <laughs> uh, no, I, I didn't have, I didn't go through the big time thing, fortunately. So that was good. Uh, one thing I think that helped contribute to that is um, I, I don't try to act like I'm big time. I don't try to act like I know more than I know. I don't. I'm not. I'm not out there trying to be an NBA player. Uh, so um, I don't call games that way. As though saying, "Well, here's what I would have done yeah. if this was me in this situation," because it's not me in that situation, right. and it's not going to be me in that situation. And, and more so, um, it's always about the players on the floor. And, and everything I do, I try to make it about them and telling their stories and telling you their options and what they're thinking. Yeah. Um, you know, that's to me that's responsibility and opportunity that I have in my job. And I, I did not I never had an urge to get out there and try to run with them and do anything like that. Uh, I was able to uh, come to peace with, with retiring from the game <laughs> a long time ago. A You're long, better than long me. time ago and when I made that decision I knew it was the right decision for me at the time and as you can imagine, a decision like that is a big one. Yeah. So um, I didn't come to it overnight. So by the time I got to it, I knew that it was the right thing. And, and typically when when I have made decisions in my life that I really believed were the right things and I knew they came from what I feel is the right place for me, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm able to, to turn the page rather quickly from there. Well, it sounds like you can do something that a lot of people can't. I pride myself in it, but I always I always make mistakes, and that is 
read a room. And I, when, <laughs> when I travel with you guys or the women's team, they, whenever we would go to the gym for shoot-around or practice, there's this downtime when everyone's putting their, their sweats and their shoes on. And the coaches, <laughs> if a coach will start shooting, then it's free game. And so I go to the rack and get a ball and start <laughs> shooting. And, you know, here I am, this, you know, pudgy uh, old guy, let's say. And <laughs> one time we were shooting around, and it was with I was with the men's team. And I used to, Lamar, I'm telling you, I would swear I was going to be in the NBA. I played two hours a day, <laughs> went to Ralph Miller basketball camp, learned how to keep my elbow in, follow through on the wrist, all of that, and really became a very good shooter. This was years ago. Yeah. And I was just out messing around and shooting free throws and had all the form and doing what I used to do as a 15-year-old. And, and I never made any varsity team or anything. I just loved the game. And some of the guys mm-hmm. were like, man, you, you got you got good form. You, you got good form. Because I was, you know, ripping them and hitting it all with all the form. And I wasn't looking for that. I just wanted to shoot around. But um, I, I got to imagine that you would be out sometime during a practice where no one's looking and you got a ball. And they're going, all right, Lamar, you can still play. No, no. Um, <laughs> I... <laughs> I if I really want to get into a gym and go take some shots, I'll find some some personal time to go and do that. But uh, there's no need, man. No, no need. I'm all <laughs> yeah. good on my end. Yeah, I got it. I got it. All right. Uh, <laughs> there's a couple of players that I want to talk to you about because of the Beaver connection, and we just keep rooting for him here like crazy. And let's start with Drew Eubanks. Yeah. He filled in last year on, on multiple 10-day contracts. In fact, uh, consecutive ones, as you know, until the season ended. I'm, I'm thinking the whole time, man, why not just sign him? Now, I don't understand any of the contracts, the timing, all of that. I don't know anything about that, so I'm sure there was reasons for it. But I was glad to see they brought him back. And he's a guy that seems like he makes the most of his numbers, um, Lamar. Would you agree? And then what do you think they think about him this deep into the season? Because he's had some some pretty spectacular games. And then with Yusuf back and getting all his numbers, Drew, again, becomes sixth, seventh man with maybe 10 to 15 minutes a night. But he makes the most of them. What do you think about Drew's game and, and what you think they think? Drew has been exceptional, and I know they all love him. And I just had this conversation with Drew last week. We were talking about how when he first came into the league, and he was at San Antonio, and I was just starting with the Blazers. Uh, I was in, I think, maybe my second year with the team. And uh, I remember I would see Drew sometimes after a game in which he likely didn't even play. And he was just trying to find his way. He was just trying to hang on and hopefully crack into a rotation at some point. And he had gone from that to now a guy that I think over half of the league, at least over half of the league, would want on their team. Mm -hmm. Because he plays so hard and he's effective. He's not just like this this bruiser that's, you know, looking to run and jump and rebound and set screens. He is so efficient with his shooting. He's been one of the top field goal percentage guys in the league going back to last year when the team kept signing him. And it's not like all of his shots are just dunks. He's shooting jump hooks, whether it's off a drop step or it's a running hook. He's shooting some, some mid-range, um, you know, like 10-footers facing the basket like this little shot put he goes to. He's been so effective. It, it's been very fun to watch because I, like you, was there when Drew first started his career at Oregon State, and I didn't know that he would turn into an NBA player, not because I didn't think it wasn't necessarily possible. I just 
Number one, I didn't know if he might go back to baseball. I didn't know like which way his whole career would take him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's developed so well in so many facets of the game. His teammates love him. Yeah, I well, like. Like he, he he's gone from just being this energy dude. Yeah being a solid backup NBA center. It's been a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, in fact, you get the feeling, too, don't you, that he, even though he had some good years with San Antonio, that you, you weren't sure if he got cut, you wouldn't be surprised. Just it, But now he's a guy that I think yeah. could be a solid, you know, several-year career without having to look totally. over his shoulder. Totally. And, and, and that's, that's the point of what I'm saying is, exactly how you just put it. Like at San Antonio, it's not like he was bad or something, but he wasn't what he is now where he has garnered respect around the league. Like people know his name. He's He has done a great job for himself, and I felt like he did that even last year. I, I was hoping the team would re-sign him, um, but I didn't know like how that was going to go. But I did feel like, hey, even if the team doesn't re-sign him, somebody's going to pick him up. And all he's done is fortify that stance. Yeah throughout his play so far this season. So GP2 comes back on Monday after five, essentially five, five and a half months of uh, rehabbing the core core muscle injury that Damian suffered from. And and it was weird, too, because it, uh, you know, we heard, well, a couple of weeks when the season started yeah. a couple of months ago, and that just kept getting stretched out. It, might, it must be like a hammy or something, a hamstring, because where you think you're okay, but you're not, and they just taken the extra caution and then he and then he sprains his ankle on monday and and didn't play last night and probably will on this road trip if it's a, just a soft sprain but what do you think about gp2 and the, the time off that he had was he able to get any work done or did he come in straight off the injury to monday's game no he was able to get some work done there was a, a ramp up process where even um before games when we're kevin and i are out preparing to uh, get situated for our pregame show, which airs 30 minutes before tip-off, GP would be kind of at the tail end of the workout that he would do. So for a few weeks, we got a chance to see him working out, and he was moving pretty well. And, uh, you know, got better and better to the point of where he got to the point of where he wanted to play. But I, I, feel, I feel for him because um, he's, he's wanted to get out there from day one. It's not like he wants to just hang out and not not participate. There, there's just such a new element to his career right now. Uh, number one, kind of like I was just talking about with Drew, GP2 has gone from almost a year ago totally out of basketball. Mm-hmm. So being like uh, you and I, John, guys who would sit on the side of a team practice and maybe get some shots up afterwards, yeah. like that would have been his story about a year and a half ago to now being a known figure around the entire league, a, a sought-after commodity in the offseason. And so this is the first time in his career where there's a fan base that was waiting on him. He, he hasn't experienced that. And so Portland fans, they understand how good and helpful and impactful he is. So they've been vocal in, in you know, on social media and wherever, letting them know, like, hey, we want to see you out there on the floor. And, um I think he's handled it pretty well. You never know what somebody's, you know, inner thoughts are. Yeah. Um, but I just, I, I hope that he's going to be able to handle this well now, where he plays one game, then he's out of the lineup again right away because of an injury. Um, so hopefully he'll be in a good spot mentally when he does come yeah. back from yeah. the the ankle. 
but it was clear and evident how helpful he could be in in a few minutes of the game against Detroit, the game that he did play. Isn't it amazing? He gets numbers in virtually every category. They won't necessarily be double figures, but he will get numbers in all the categories, not just points or rebounds. Correct. Correct. And we we saw that from the time at at Oregon State. He he impacted the game in so many ways, and his his, uh, IQ and feel for just making things happen is is unbelievable. It's, It's not something everybody else has. Uh, I have a million more questions, but you already give, have given us a great amount of your time. I know you're, you're crunched for time uh, on your schedule on the road. Lamar, thank you so much for hanging out with us and talking uh, some, some basketball blazers and, and uh, a couple of beavers and yourself as a former beaver on the TV. It's been great watching you. Thanks for taking time out for us today. Thank you, John. Always happy to join you. All right. Take care. That's Lamar Hurd, who's, I think, in the hotel right now on the road as the Blazers are on the road. And they've got uh, Friday and Sunday. They're in Indianapolis coming up on Friday at 4 o'clock, 3.30 on 1340 Clue AM, and then in Toronto on Sunday for a 12.30 start time. So they they'll be on could have used him yesterday. Anthony Edwards, 13 points in the fourth quarter. Yeah. He was just 32 overall. Yeah, could have really used used his defense. And I think the big story with the Blazers, I know you watch more Blazers than I do, but it's it's always about the defense. And after a strong start to the year on the defensive end, it's been, it's sagged off a little bit. Well, GP2 is just waiting. Exactly. It's just, okay, when's GP2 coming back? Especially as a guard. I mean, Dame's, what? Dame's a fine defender. Right, not GP two. Yeah, he's not GP two, and yeah. Simons. Yeah, yeah. 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 it's just yeah. like it's just not quite there uh, in the uh, on the defensive end of the backcourt. Think about GP two, and to piggyback on Lamar is that he really busted on the scene with the Warriors in the playoffs before right. Brooks took him down. Right, and and he was just exploding, and Popovich. And uh, a little bit in Toronto, but certainly with the Blazers, he became known. No, I'm thinking of, of Eubank, sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Steve no, Kerr. Kerr and then others in the NBA, before, even before he got to Portland. Right. He's gained that reputation of being able to guard anybody. Like, even uh, Barkley was saying it on the right. show, that GP2 can guard your center or your point guard. Right, and it's it, it's if you think about it, the Warriors last year, the, the you know, built— Obviously, the Blazers aren't as successful as the Warriors were last year, this year. But, you know, if you think of their guard play, it's just they're not quite as good on the defensive end. And that's what it made. That, that's why it makes um, that's why it makes GP2 so important, because you have a Steph Curry who's been lamented most of his right. career for not being a great defender because he just he's not the athlete to be a great defender. And that's why having GP2 off the benches is, is that much more important. It's similar with Dame, too. Yeah. Dame's just... You know, especially when you're a guard, you can only guard so much. You you really can because these guys are, are so skilled and so tall and, and can shoot from pretty much anywhere on the floor. It just makes it when you're like 6'3 and under, like nearly impossible to guard. Absolutely. All right, that'll wrap up our number one. Uh, Heather Seeley Roberts will join us coming up at 12.05. We'll, we'll talk about uh, the Les Schwab Invitational and being the first female coach at the 6A level in the state of Oregon. 4A level a couple years at y- uh, Yamhill Carlton, and so it's it's old news, but it's still unique news mm-hmm. that we'll at least talk about a little bit 
outside of talking about her sons mm-hmm. and uh, the Lincoln team and what they expect to do this year after getting to the playoffs last year, where prior to that they were awful. So that'll be a fun conversation. And then Sydney Weiss coming up at 1230. That'll do it for this hour. Okay, please. Here's the microphone. Is this thing on? This is KEJO Corvallis. Everybody hear me? We're on in five. And QID. 1240 Joe Radio. I'm Jim Chesko with your money now. Good news for gamers. Sony says shortages of PlayStation 5 consoles are finally ending. In doing a presentation at CES in Las Vegas today, Sony Interactive CEO Jim Ryan said the company's console hardware supply situation has improved over the last month or so, and that December was the best sales month ever for the PS5. He said going forward, consumers should be able to find those $500 consoles pretty regularly on store shelves. Roku is introducing its own line of televisions as the streaming company looks to showcase what can be done with its technology. The company will be rolling out its new TVs in the spring. They're the first to be both made and designed by Roku, which the company says is meant to enhance affordability and the streaming experience. Prices for the new consumer TVs will range from $119 to 1000 bucks. U.S. stocks are in the red today. The Dow Jones Industrial is down 212 points. The S&P 500 lower by 25. The Nasdaq has dipped 85. That's your money now. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, SelectQuote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, call SelectQuote at 1-800-683-7713. That's 1-800-683-7733. Or go to SelectQuote.com. 1-800-683-7733. That's 1-800-683-7733. SelectQuote. We shop. You save. Full details on example policies at select quote. Unified Insurance Group is your local independent insurance agency in Corvallis. They represent numerous insurance companies and specialize in auto, home, and business insurance. See Mike Eves, Taylor Starr, and Tom Worth. They'll help find an insurance plan that works best for you. If you're looking for auto, home, or business insurance, see the Unified Insurance Group, 320 Southwest 3rd Street in downtown Corvallis. They're your hometown team, always putting you first. Have you seen Highland Bowl's expanded Strike Zone Lounge? Stop by for a burger, pizza, a hot or a cold sandwich, or a salad. There's appetizers and snacks, too. And the prices are so low on beer and spirits, it's like happy hour all day. Enjoy your favorite Oregon lottery games, too. Highland Bowl. It isn't just for bowlers anymore. Stop by and check out the expanded Strike Zone Lounge at Highland Bowl on 9th Street in Corvallis. We sell them up. You knock them down. Ah, the RV life. Carefree living at its best. Find everything you need for worry-free RV living at Lassen RV Parts and Service. At Lassen RV, you can talk to experts who will see to it that you have the right solution for your RV. We carry everything right down to the special RV-approved two-ply toilet paper. Lassen RV and Lassen RV Parts and Service, where friends send their friends. Just east of I-5 on Highway 20 in Albany and at LassenRV.com. I'm Dennis Silvers, a golf guru, here with another Golf Minute to help you stop hooking the ball. 
If you're a player having trouble hitting big hooks, it's because an impact your club face points to the left of both your target and swing path. Here's a swing thought that will help fix the problem. Imagine you're making a karate chop at a board with the side or heel of your left hand on the downswing. By leading with the side of your left hand, you delay the rotation of your forearms just enough to prevent the toe of the club from passing the heel of the club too early, thus you can't turn the face over. Think of it this way, the back of your left hand mirrors the position of your club face at impact, so if you can keep your knuckles pointed just right of your target, your club face will mirror that, helping to prevent you from curving it left. So remember, use this karate chop swing thought and you'll become a real black belt on the golf course. For the Golf Minute, I'm Dennis Silvers. At Staples, you can count on every project being print perfect, guaranteed. I need presentations and brochures printed, and they have to be perfect. Your bounded presentations, brochures with the finest folds, and more will be done right every time. That's our print big promise. Now at Staples, get $10 off your document printing and marketing materials order of $50 or more, plus 20% back by a store bonus. Try Staples and see the difference. Ends to 11. Rewards members only. Bonus must be redeemed in store. See staples.com stores slash print big for details. Bye now. You know that sound. It's the sound of the Home Depot. But what about that sound? You're listening to a set of GE appliances, complete with all you need to keep food fresh, dishes clean, and everything else stress-free. Making this the sound of savings on top brand appliances. The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Get up to 25% off select GE appliances right now. Offer valid January 5th through January 25th, 2023. U.S. only. See store online for details. Joe Radio welcomes you to the Joe Beaver Show, the only show on the electric radio dealing with life's greatest questions. How are the beavers doing this season? But with sympathy for life's hierarchy of needs. Will you go to lunch? Go to lunch. Will you go to lunch? Yes, please go to lunch. Take a long lunch and join us as we ponder life's big questions. How are the beavers doing this season? Groucho is in. This is the last hat of its kind. The beavers have stopped making them. They're all out playing football. Fields, he's in. What's out of beaver's tail? And you, you're welcome in to the Joe Beaver Show, where we're not concerned with life's trifling questions. What do you know about life after death? But with visions of Pac-10 glory. Tell how it's gonna be. And the inside scoop. Give it to me straight, Doc. So join the party. Let's make Joe famous. Sure, I'm willing. And now, here are your hosts. John. That's the word in the street, Johnny. Warren and Mike. I haven't dabbled in Kierkegaard. Parker on the home of the Beavers 1240 Joe Radio. Uh, just a random opening, you know, Mike. Uh, Mike actually thinks, I say, he says, uh, he stops and he thinks, and then he says, uh, 17. And then I have to say, because I'm like, okay, really? Why? And then, and then sometimes he'll have a really good reason because of a certain guest that's coming on from uh-huh. that particular year. And sometimes he says, nah, it just felt like it. <laughs> Me, I always pick the longest one there is because usually we're scrambling to get uh, stuff done in between. And that was what was happening when we were talking uh, about Heather Seeley Roberts coming on the show with us. And Heather and I had communicated yesterday and I didn't say anything. I didn't text her. I didn't do a good job as a producer to let her know how we were going to do all this. So she texted and say, you call me question mark. And, uh, and I didn't even answer that because I was in the process 
of dialing the phone. And on she came, and here we go. Heather, thanks for coming on the show with us. Uh, no problem. Yeah, it's good to have you. Um, Thank you. Reynolds was brokering this deal, and when I put your name, your number into my phone, it popped up again, like, well, wait a second, you're already in my phone. And then I looked at the text that we had, and I, the date on it was 2018. That must have been when you were just getting ready to go to Yamhill Carlton. Correct. Yeah, so that's when I we just moved back from Virginia, and I'd gotten a job at Lacey. Right, right. Wow. Well, congratulations. It's been a couple of years now at Lincoln, so this is old news. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the there's there's several reasons to get you on and and talk to you about basketball coaching. One, you're you're local. You're you're from the state, and you're doing what you're doing. Two, uh, first female coach at the six A level in the state of Oregon. Again, you've been there for a couple of years, so it's not completely new. And first female coach in the PIL. And I don't even like. The idea of making anything of that, other than that, that it's it's something. It's a first, even though it doesn't. I don't even think about it. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, and it's it's something I don't think. And I do want to say, not only from the state, I'm from Corvallis. I graduated from Crescent Valley. Yes, high school. Yes, that's right. But um, yeah, so it's. I don't think about it either. I just once I get out there, and um, I mean, I probably haven't thought about it for years. And then uh, just when I got the job at Lincoln, then mm-hmm. it kind of became a big deal again. But everyone just seems to treat me the same way that they treat other coaches. So yeah, and and, and then some you know idiot like me comes along and says, "Oh, you're the first female coach to do this or that." It's not that big a deal, but it's unique because of the statistics. I guess is what I'm trying yeah. to say. Um, you know, our own yeah. Felicia Raglan, who was uh, an All American here at Oregon State when I was calling the women's games back in '99, 2000, when she was here. Um, she was coaching a boys team and that was a big deal down in Fresno area where she lives. I don't know if she still oh, is, nice. but we had her on talking about that. And that's so really on that, there's maybe one or two questions and then we move on. Um, okay. do you, when you get these jobs, first of all, how do the, how did the players at uh, YC and then at Lincoln, I mean, I saw a video where your your sons were t- were talking about you as Coach Roberts, and then you went on to explain, well, on the court, I'm Coach Roberts at home, I'm mom. And uh, but did any of the other players, did anybody or parents, do you ever get any kind of hassle, or did you, from parents, a guy, a dad, or somebody that just thought, oh, you're a, you're a girl, you can't do this? No, I didn't. Um, both programs I took over hadn't won very many uh, games the year before, and so that kind of humbles kids a little bit, and so they were very receptive. Both schools have been very receptive yeah. um, to me as a coach. Um, you know, they, they've listened. I haven't had any issues with parents. When I was at the 3A level, there was a certain town um, in the state that I will remain nameless mm-hmm. that did not enjoy me very much, I think, because I was a female, so they yelled a lot of things from the crowd. Um <laughs> But uh, other than that, I think it's, um, it's it's probably a shock. And then there's still a few refs that don't know, so they'll go up to my assistant, you know, and assume he's the head coach. And then I'll, then they'll like, no, she's right over there. And so, um, and then we actually, the other part I did face, though, when we were out of state this summer. In Utah? When we were doing, um, no, when we I went and did uh, some tournaments down in California and Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. And so I took my high school school team. I had two players, and I've never had this before. Two players from opposing team yelled at me when they were playing and told me to shut up. And I was like, <laughs> and I was like, hey, you know, and I was like, and, and I wondered if they would do that if I was a man. 
Um, yeah. But they, uh, and then I yelled out at their coach, and I'm like, you need to talk to your kid. You know, yeah, and then, yeah. you know, just kind of disrespectful stuff. And, you know, I was like, what is going on? And so that's, <laughs> that's the only thing that I saw that I've ever had something, but maybe it wasn't because... Yeah, you know, I was a female, but I would be shocked if they would tell a large man to shut up. Cause, <laughs> you know, maybe he would get in their face. So. I, I remember in talking to you even five years ago. I remember this, and then just now, the way you're talking, I'm like, you're pretty scrapper. I I wouldn't be messing with you if I'm a little punk sixteen year old. And and uh, I mean, you seem like oh, you I can handle that. yourself. Yeah. That's great. Heather, yeah. <laughs> Heather Seely Roberts joining us here on the Joe Beaver Show. One other uh, question about this part of the topic, and that is coaching different, because I know you had a number of really successful years coaching girls. Is there mm-hmm. a difference to, uh, coaching? Maybe there is men and women, I don't know, but boys and girls is different because, uh, you know, a 16-year-old boy isn't exactly a 26-year-old who's jamming reverse spiral jams. Now, your sons probably mm-hmm. can because they're so tall, but, I mean, is there a difference in how you coach them? Is there uh, personality differences in the group? Because my wife always says, if you yell at a girl, they get mad. And when a girl mm-hmm. gets mad, then all hell's going to break loose. So you've got to talk to them differently if you're upset with them. I mean, is there truth to that when you're coaching? Um, I haven't really found a lot of differences um, between between boys and girls because there were some girls that I coached that I could get in their face and yell at them, and then some I couldn't. Yeah. And I've also found some boys I can't yell at them. Like, they don't take it very well. Yeah. And then other ones like me um, – get in their face um i would say you know boys the biggest thing i find the difference between boys and girls so if you walk into a gym and and this is from my experiences a lot of times the girls are on the side and they're visiting and chatting with their friends and sometimes on their phone and i'm like hey girls you need to get up and shoot and they're very good you know once you tell them to boys come in and if there's a ball around they're picking the ball up yeah now they're not necessarily doing what you want them to do with it they're <laughs> jacking up half court shots and, and i always call it look at me you know coach look at me if yeah. i make this give me 10 bucks and blah 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 and, and so it's more but if there's a ball around they are up shooting and you have to really shoot the boys out of the gym because they want to keep you know shooting around and doing that kind of stuff but like i said not all the stuff you want them working on you know it's all the yeah, show off and they're trying to practice their windmill jams and yeah stuff like that. You, you're so right about that because because even when when we're little we go to the we just as long as there's a line on the floor we will go to it and try to hit it from that line rather than what i was taught many years ago at places like ralph miller basketball camp and that is start your warming up from the inside out you know shoot Mm -hmm. with one hand off the backboard just standing there and then take a couple steps back and so on and so forth but no if there's a rack of balls you're going straight for the three-point line and you got to rein that in so yeah that's Uh, and yesterday even at practice i turned around and all of a sudden found a football I'm like what are you doing they're throwing this football all over and i'm like put the football down jeez and so you just have to get now calm calm down and then but they overall i would find they're pretty i find they're pretty similar um kids have changed i would say in general i mean because i've been coaching now 30 years yeah i would say kids have changed more boy just kids have changed over the past 30 years instead of necessarily um, boy, girl, but I haven't found as many differences as I thought there would be. Yeah, that's um, cool. 
Ocean. That's cool. Heather Seely Roberts joining us here on the Joe Beaver Show. Heather, this is TJ here with John. Uh, I I, I read that you, you you know when you just started coaching, you you talked to your high school coach a lot. I think it was multiple times a week, and I. If I remember right, he he also was trying to you know break down the the difference of coaching boys and girls. Was was am I right with that? Yeah. So his, it's Craig Ellingson and yeah. his longtime coach at Crescent Valley. Yep. And so I didn't realize that at the time um, that he treated. I mean, you know, I just grew up playing for him, and so he just treated us like athletes. And it wasn't until I went to my first teaching and coaching job at a different school. Um, and then I watched how, and I was their freshman coach, and I watched how he treated the girls at that school, and I thought he treated them really soft in differences. And I go, why are you, you know, you need to run these kids or run your heart on. He goes, oh, well, you know, they're girls. They don't need to do as hard. And I was like, what is that? And so that's when I realized how fortunate I was to have someone like Craig that treated us like athletes. And yeah. so I think that's always been part of my philosophy, which probably goes back to why I haven't really had a big issue going back and forth between boys and girls because I always just treated them like athletes. Now, and people that I'm going to push hard because that's my job is to push you hard. Can you have design plays for the boys that you can't have for the girls because they are bigger, faster, stronger? Well, that's interesting, too. Um, you know, they can obviously dunk, you know, which girls can't do. Mm-hmm. And they'll sometimes they miss their dunks. And I would just say, make your layup, please. But yeah. <laughs> they have... Um, there haven't been, so I've always pressed, I, I do a full court press, and I did it with the girls, and when I went to the boys, people were telling me, oh, you can't do that because it won't work with boys. So then I did it at the 3A level, and it worked, and then when I went to 6A, they go, oh, are you still going to press? That's not going to work when you have these really good guards, but we've still done it. And so there haven't really been a lot of the coaching philosophies that I've had um, have really been the same. I will say boys are, you know, they're obviously stronger. Um, and I, I would say they're more physical. I would say also another difference is they call the games different. Hmm. Like, I think against the boys, they let a lot more go than they do against the girls. Hmm. And when I was coaching girls, I'd always be like, I'd always be like, you need to let them play. You need to let them play. Yeah. And, but now that, now that they're hammering my, the kids out here, then I'm like, <laughs> time it up. <laughs> but anyways, but, they have, but I, I think they call it different. I, I honestly do think they call it a little bit different. I think they let more um, get away with boys, or just a lot more pushing and shoving yeah, than they do with the girls. Back to what you said about someone telling you, you you know, you can't press with boys. That's ridiculous. I, I've not, I can't even I imagine someone saying that, and I'm thinking of Ralph Miller while I think of that. Now, I'm older, so I'm thinking more of the old school basketball that we all played and did, but uh, mm-hmm. that's ridiculous. Of course you can, and you can do boxing ones and triangles and two. Someone said those are gadget plays. Would you do defenses like that, or do you consider those gadgets? I don't consider them gadgets. I don't do those a lot. We spend so much time on our press. Yeah. Um, I hardly even, basically, we just run man. So this year, we're actually doing a little bit of zone. So that's yeah. a, outside the box for me. But we do we do a number of different presses. So I've got all kinds of different things that I do. But we like to keep the game full court. And I think they probably said that because the guards we were playing were so much faster, mm-hmm. um, playing against. But oh, I'm like, well, yeah, yeah. we should be so much, you know, we're faster too. And it's just... It's just kind of a mentality. But, yeah, I think it's just – I think there's lots of ways to play basketball. <laughs> and, you know, you just got to get one, and you got to get your kids to buy into it. And so I've been real fortunate that my kids have bought into what we're doing yeah. um, to make it work. Where, where did you pick up the press from? Where, where did you watch and see and, and see that and say, yeah, that's what I want to do. When I, that's how I want to model my coaching style after. 
Well, we did some in high school, and then when I started coaching on my own, I just really liked um, I liked the up tempo. I thought it was because you know we've never had a shot clock in Oregon, and so mm-hmm. I just thought I, I thought it kept the game going. I thought it was more fun to play. Um, I thought it envisioned because I always like my kids to work really hard, so I like that part of it. Um, and but you got to believe in it if you're going to do it because a lot of coaches don't have like they give up a couple layups and then they'll pull it off. But I stick with it much to some of my assistant coaches don't like it and they're always yipping in my ear. But I'm like, that's what we're doing. But then I tweaked it when I went to college, and because um, I used to run a straight man run and jump, and then I tweaked it when I went to college, and um, I got to be friends with um, Jerry Vanderboer, who was the Mount Hood coach at the time. And he goes, oh, you should try this one. And so now I have a different press that I run. And so that's like our primary press that I really um, enjoy doing. And so it takes, it gives, uh, we don't give up quite as much on the backside. We put more pressure on the front, but it's, um, so we've, I've been doing that now for the past seven years. And that's really what I like. When you coached for a year during the pandemic in Utah, did they have a shot clock mm-hmm. over there? Uh, no, no. Okay. They didn't have a shot clock. Okay. I thought Oregon so was the last did, one. Yeah. I'm pretty sure we didn't. I'm trying to think if they had one of the five. I was at um, the 4A, 3A level there. Yeah. trying to think if they did, but I don't think so. But we've had, and that's part of it. Like, my teams, I know when we go to it, we're not going to have a problem with it because we usually never hold the ball more than 15 seconds. But um, I like it. I, I, the only reason I like it is when you play some of those teams that like to pull it out and slow it down. Yeah. And then yeah. just keep it moving. Heather Seely Roberts joining us for just a few more questions here on the Joe Beaver Show. This is fascinating. Okay, let's talk about the Les Schwab Invitational from two mm-hmm. two standpoints: coaching in it, playing in it, and and then the experience of seeing some mm-hmm. of the great teams. You got that win, uh, the first win, right? And you beat Bishop mm-hmm. Gorman. Oh no, you lost to Bishop Gorman and then got the second win. So you go uh, two and one. What was that experience like to take your Lincoln squad to that uh, tournament that had, I guess, just packed house at Liberty? Yeah, it was super fun. So we went two and two, actually. We beat Tiger yeah. by three, lost to Bishop Gorman. So we did make the highlight reel as they were dunking over us. So that was <laughs> um, quite quite exciting. And then uh, lost to Beaverton, which is tougher, and then we ended up beating Central Catholic. It was It's like something you've heard about for years. And so for us to get invited like was a real honor. Um, the whole spectacle of the thing was uh, because it was heightened, because uh, Bronny was there, you know, LeBron, yeah. LeBron James' son was there. Yeah. And so they were on this whole different um, schedule than the rest of us. Like, they got to come in through the back door. They had security guards, like massive men. And remember how you said I don't get intimidated? Yeah. Those massive men intimidated me. I just <laughs> stayed back. Like, you couldn't talk to them. Um, they'd bat away, like, people coming to get autographs. Wherever their team went, there was, like, ten cameras following them around. I mean, it was... It was like, that was like cool to just watch that whole show. Um, and then um, then the other part was really neat was watching um, Westland, even though I want to yeah. be Westland, but watching Westland play Duncanville in that final game. I mean, you know, just it was cool to see the whole gym rally behind Westland and here they're playing the number one team in the nation and they beat them, you know, and just really it was it was fun to see that atmosphere. And the other part I thought was really neat is that you bring a lot of people in that maybe aren't typical high school basketball fans. Yeah. And then they come, and then they are excited about the energy. It was just it was just a big deal. We were super excited to be part of it. And even though we lost games, I mean, for us to get to go against Bishop Gorman was such a great experience. You know, some of those kids are going to be playing 
you know, college basketball, Division One basketball, and then right. our kids got to go against them. And it was just a, it was a well-run tournament. We had a great experience. Really liked it. Was uh, Duncanville, did they look like a team? First of all, did Westland, was that a one-off, or could they be a team that could be as good as those teams for the rest of this year uh, at that level? Well, they're interesting looking because they look so different. You know, so they beat Duncanville and they beat Brownie's team, Sierra Canyon, and everyone thought it was going to be Sierra Canyon versus Duncanville, so yeah. it kind of threw a wrench into it. And I don't know if the teams are overlooking them. Obviously, they have a very, very good player in Jackson Shelfstad who's going to that other school down exactly. south. And, um, and then they've got a bunch of football players. Um, they do have Adrian Mosley, who's a really good player, who was in our league last year and transferred over there. And then they've got these D1. They've got, I think, two D1 football players. So they were just very strong, very physical. And they just they threw stuff up, but went in. They didn't, you know, they didn't back down. And then I thought Duncanville panicked a little bit and started relying on the three-point shot too much. They weren't going in, and then... Westland came back down and did it. So they did it two times. I mean, they beat Sierra Canyon and Duncanville. So I thought it was a really good um, indication of, you know, the Oregon basketball. So we do have high school teams that we have good players here and good teams and we're well coached and that, you know, that we could compete against some of those better teams around the nation. How do you pronounce Maroney's name? Moroni. Moroni. Okay. Yeah, I got a, yeah, a pronunciation from Reynolds. I'm like, well, I'm saying it right. It was we were saying Maroney. Okay, good, good to know. Uh, is Maroni yep. and Malachi? Are they? I don't know anything about high school basketball as far as recruiting. Are they already going somewhere? Or I'm sure they're getting looks at, at how big and, and good they are. Yes, um, yes, and we we wish Oregon State would look at them a little bit more. So <laughs> they have uh, they're getting looks, and they have some they have some offers from. Um, Southern Oregon and OIT yeah. and then Eastern Arizona, which is um, a junior college, a pretty big junior college in Arizona. So they've gotten they've gotten some looks, and then they're talking to quite a few coaches. Um, but they haven't gotten a D1 offers or anything like that. And I, I think, you know, of course I'm biased. You yeah. know, I'm their mom. And But, I mean, they put up pretty good numbers. I think they're really good players. I think the transfer portal has had a lot to do with it as well sure. in the COVID year. Um, so, But they definitely want to play. Um, you know, at the next level, and so they're excited about those opportunities as well. So you, your husband Jason plays uh, at Oregon State. You grow up here and go to Crescent Valley. I, I get the the pull and the connection. Sissel uh, Pierce and, and Jason Heidi both are Beaver players, and their kids are going elsewhere in the Pac-12. Their daughter playing at Cal, and I think their son was highly recruited and ended up deciding on a, a different Pac-12 school. So legacy doesn't necessarily matter, right? Well, in our family, there's only, yes, we love Oregon State. So <laughs> we've already grown up. Because people always say, what if Ducks offered you something? I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that'll go on our highlight reel right there. That'll be a promo. Well, you can, you can put it on there. Because honestly, if they're good enough to get offered by the Ducks, they'd be good enough to get offered by the Beavers. So we're like, yeah, well, exactly. So, See, that, that's we're true Beavers. <laughs> always have been. Great stuff, Heather. Thank you so much for your time. Were you coaching at Ashland in the early 90s and then mm-hmm. making it to the Child Center for the tournament. Mm-hmm. Okay, yes. it, okay. then I called your games because I called all the games. And I remember Ashland, I remember your name with them. And then yep. I remember, I thought it was Ashland with this girl with really long, curly, kinky, curly hair. And we met up and became friends and colleagues at Oregon State, Michelle Westerberg. Was she on your uh-huh. Ashland staff? Yeah, so she was at Southern Oregon, 
when I was down coaching in Ashland. Okay. And then she graduated, so I brought her on. She was my freshman coach. There yeah, we go. Yeah, so that's Michelle. That's the connection. I've not heard from her in years. Neither have I. It's been a couple of years, but uh, she's up here working and living in Salem, has a couple of kids. So life is good oh, for cool. her. Yeah. Oh, yeah. very nice. That's really good cool to hear. Stuff. Hey, thank you so much. Best of luck. We'll follow Lincoln the rest of the way, see how you guys do, and, uh, and uh, pull for you. Thanks, Heather. Okay. Sounds right. good. Thank you. Take care. Heather Seeley Roberts joining us. I don't remember Jason. Um, he, I guess it was 1995. Uh, he mm-hmm. got into 17 games for Eddie Payne. It was Eddie Payne's first year is what Heather told me off, off the uh, air. And uh, Jason Roberts, Mike might remember, but neither of us were here at the time. Um, that was yeah. cool. So she played for uh, Crescent Valley and grew up here, which I had forgotten. So I'm glad mm-hmm. she brought that back up. I c- could have made a whole new question line on that but uh yeah corvallis native corvallis native although her and jason met when they were on a mission they didn't meet here they were in austin oh even Mm -hmm. though they're both from here no he may not be from here she is but i don't know where where he's from yeah he uh he played at a number of different places he again he played at byu idaho byu hawaii and oregon state okay Good. So it's been around, been around the uh, around the wheel. But you heard her; they're big Beaver fans. Yeah, there you go. Speaking of uh, great Oregon State players and connections, Sydney Weiss will join us. We'll call Sydney now, in fact, and get her up next after the break on twelve forty Joe Radio. Does your financial advisor take the time to really listen to you? Is your financial strategy personalized for you and your family? Will your financial advisor be there as your life and financial situation change? Hi, I'm former Oregon State athlete Tim Ewis, your Corvallis Edward Jones financial advisor. When we work together, we'll focus on what's important to you. We'll use an established process to create a personalized financial strategy backed by the advice, tools, and resources to help you reach your goals. And we'll partner to help your strategy stay on track. Contact me today, 541-758-8245. Edward Jones, member SIPC. For auto glass solutions, better call the glass man. Call 541-760-2277. Call the glass man. Hi, this is Jake the glass man. Let me fix the crack in your glass. For windshield repair, call me first. For auto glass solutions, better call the glass man. Call 541 541- 760-2277. Call the glass man. If you've been putting off that home remodeling project, this is the year to get it done. For nearly 35 years, people in the Mid-Valley have been going to Corvallis Floor Covering. Stop by and browse through their large showroom. They've got a huge variety of carpet, countertops, window coverings, and wood and luxury vinyl flooring from all the popular brands. So Happy New Year from Corvallis Floor Covering at the corner of 2nd and Van Buren in downtown or CorvallisFloorCovering.com. Shop local. Shop Corvallis Floor Covering. A lot of land comes with a lot of work, and the new Kubota MX Series has a lot to offer, including the versatility to mow, move bales of hay, grade roads, and clear brush and snow. The new Kubota MX Series is rated number one in durability and owner experience. Visit Lynn Benton Tractor in Tangent or go to LynnBentonTractor.com. What's your power like today? Are you driving a powerful vehicle or are you just getting there? Fall and winter is coming and Power Honda in Albany has the CRV, Pilot, HRV, Odyssey, 
Passport SUVs, Ridgeline trucks, and over a thousand pre-owned vehicles to choose from to help you get to where you're going this fall and winter. So come, experience the power at Power Honda in Albany, or go to mypowerhonda.com. At Albin's Plumbing, we're boring. Hi, I'm Katie Albin, and I want everyone to know that at Albin's Plumbing, we're boring. Directional boring, to be exact. So if you need to run a pipe underground, under a driveway, or under a sidewalk, and you don't want to destroy your yard in the process, the boring people at Albin's Plumbing can help you with your directional boring. Just give us a call. At Albin's Plumbing, plumbing's all we do. Call 754-8282. Albin's Plumbing. All right, we talked briefly, briefly, on the... um on the phone just a moment ago, I just chatted with this to say hi to Sydney Weiss. And for Sydney's, uh, to, to make it easier on you, Sydney, I'll just do a quick reminder. I, Mike and I have been doing this show for 20-some years. So if, you've ever, if you don't remember me when I say, hi, Sydney, it's John, and you were really nice. Uh, I'm the guy that's always been with Mike whenever we do these shows on campus and stuff. So that's... Just, just for your reference point on who you're talking to. Oh, John, don't worry. I do. I, I will be honest. There's a lot of people and names yes. that I can't match, but I, I remember you, and <laughs> I would tell you straight up. Oh, thank you for the reminder. I no, do appreciate I, the reminder, but I will always remember you and Mike. I appreciate that, and you've always been so good, so good with the media, and so good. I remember telling my son. When you were a freshman, he came home from college, and we went to a game, and I'm just kind of pointing players out. I go, see that Sydney, Sydney, she's going to be great. And it was just your freshman year, coming out of Arizona and all these accolades and oh, just Final Four and all of the, the memories that Beaver Nation has. And I know Beaver, Beaver Nation misses you, but there have been lots of great players and great personalities come through the program before you and and during your time and after you. So it's special to be a Beaver, isn't it? And I know you got to play in front of some really good crowds. Oh, yeah. It's um, it's actually crazy thinking. Um, I was on the phone with uh, one of my former teammates from Oregon State a couple days ago, and we were talking about how it's been almost five years now since we graduated. And um, it's, it's sort of like, I don't know, time moves differently when you're not there. Yeah. Uh, but I will always cherish those times and the people that I was able to, to work with, to get to know on and off the court. And uh, there is, it's, there's something uniquely special about Gill that you can't manufacture anywhere else. I've been able to play around the world. I've been able to play professionally, and there's no place like it. And so I, it makes me very grateful for my years that I was able to um, to be on that court and call it home. Well, I have young TJ with me here to uh, to do the show today with Mike being out of town on the road with the Beavers. And I said, uh, f- get some bio stuff on Sydney because I was working on a different interview and uh, couldn't come up with this last year. So if you if you wouldn't mind, just remind us where you've been the last couple years and then, you know, WNBA, of course, and then your overseas stuff. And then what I know you still want to play. One of the things that brought this whole thing up was um, finding out that you're doing the analyst work on Friday and Sunday. So that's, we want to talk to you about that, but we also want to get a kind of a, a, an idea of what you're doing in basketball and what you, you, I'm sure you still have game left in you. Yes. First of all, hi TJ. Thank you for joining the show. Happy to be with both of you. Um, so 
was drafted by LA in 2017. Yeah. So I was with them for four seasons mm-hmm. and then was in DC in 2021. And then throughout those, um, in between the summer seasons, I would go overseas until I was able to go to Australia, Israel, um, Spain, and Italy uh, throughout those years. And then while I was in Italy in March last year, I uh, unfortunately tore my ACL. And so I've been back in Phoenix doing rehab training. Um, I'm honestly very fortunate that this is one of my only major injuries um, yep. that I've been able to go as long as I have without something like this. Um, and it's been really unique and a blessing to have time to be home, um, to be present with friends, with family, to experience things that I haven't been able to in such a long time. Um, and with that, because I'm, I've been rehabbing and training, and I do anticipate coming back and playing when the time is right. Um, but I've been able to experience the coaching side of basketball. I've been an assistant coach at a prep school here in Phoenix, and then this weekend the, the commentating opportunity. And so it's been really awesome to – because you can't play forever, unfortunately. And so it's cool to have the chance to try these other avenues um, that I might be interested in when I'm done playing. Ahead, hey, Sydney, this is TJ here with John. Did did the broadcasting aspect, did, did you seek that out or did they seek you? I actually was up in Oregon um, visiting campus and visiting friends uh, this summer. And I've my family and I have stayed in touch with Ann Schatz. And I connected with her to get lunch. And we were just talking and catching up. And out of nowhere, she was the one that brought up, you're going to try commentating. And I said it excuse me and and she she was the one that really encouraged it and throughout the years i've heard multiple people say that i should try it it just hasn't the timing has never worked out because of prioritizing playing and so then when she brought it to the table and and she was um very encouraging and she talked about it and it made me excited to try it and because of this this time this window um of time to um attempt new things like that i got in touch she got me the information for some people at the pac-12 and i connected with them and um thankfully they had some opportunities where i could try this out is tomorrow your debut it sure is it sure is so keep your expectations low okay (laughs) are you nervous i actually am not i feel um i'm excited it's been a cool week uh, prepping and seeing what this side of everything is like. Um, and obviously I'm new to the game, so I'm, it's sort of a whirlwind. And uh, at the same time, I've been very grateful to have people from from um, the conference, those who are in like at the broadcast table. So Anne is going to be my partner this weekend, which yeah. is also really cool. And yeah. I'm very fortunate to also call the game in Arizona. Oregon State is for both of the games, which is helpful when it comes to preparation since I'm very familiar with the ins and outs of the program. Um, but it's been, it's really cool to have this opportunity to prep and it's made me more excited for it. But I, I've learned through this prepping process that there's only so much you can do until you're actually just sitting there and doing it. <laughs> so I think I've just surrendered that there's going to be uh, a learning curve. Like you're learning under fire basically. And so I'm, it'll be cool to just be in that moment when the time is here. Have you gotten to around to maybe watching any 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 broadcasters you really like in, in in terms of color commentary to to see okay this is the best way to to structure when to talk uh, when not to talk et cetera, stuff like that. 
I have paid attention to that a lot more as I've been watching game film because uh, normally if, when I watch games, I just pay attention to the game like normal people. <laughs> but I think this week I've definitely uh, paid more attention to the cadence of the, the analysts and the play-by-play. And um, I'm, I'm also, like I said, very fortunate that Ann has been calling um, our games, Oregon State's games, and many games in the conference for years. And so I've, I tried to pay attention to her game specifically this weekend and her cadence with her partner um, because each each play-by-play person is different and each analyst has their own style. And um, I actually reached out to Mo Billings from UCLA because um, she's done a couple games in the conference, and I just asked her some tips. And she encouraged me and reminded me that I'm going to I'm going to be creating my own style as I go. Um, and so I've tried not to get too wrapped up in, because each person is unique, sort of like when you play the game. Um, but I think I've tried to pay more attention to Anne since she's my partner. So I just want to know how what her style is and um, how to follow her lead in this regard. Well, I'll tell you what. You cannot start with a nicer human being. Anne Schatz, I've watched her since she was on Coin TV. well, when I lived in Portland. It's for almost 40 years, and we have her on the show quite often. She is one of the nicest people you will ever meet, and that will translate to working with her. There's no way, if you step on her, she's going to give you a crooked eye. There's no way. She's too nice of a human being. But... um, and she'll help you along, absolutely. I can't wait. I think it's going to be great. And you're going to do great. I just I just feel it. And, uh, you know, less is more sometimes. And uh, big plays, you let them breathe. That, those are the only two yeah. lessons I would say as a play-by-play guy for 32 years to an analyst. I would say if something big happens, let it breathe and then talk over, about it. And then... Uh, Less is more on stuff. But I'll tell you what, you can. You can pick from all these different people, emulate certain parts of the style, and then make your own, and you will. It'll be great. Thank you. And I agree. Anne has been so helpful. And um, she told me when we talked about it this summer that she would be with me every step of the way in, in preparation. And then if, if we got lucky enough, and fortunately we have to work together, then she would just sort of set me up, lob me up for some... <laughs> Some slams, and I I trust her completely, and it's an honor to work with her, understanding who she is and her history um, as a play-by-play and her history within the television world. And um, I agree with you. I I think throughout this prep process, and one thing she told me was, "Do not over-prepare." And I have tried to take that approach um, and to just keep things really simple and to trust that you know when I'm seeing things, I just have to speak about it and obviously let her do what she does and and wait for those moments to, to give my two cents. And I told her, I said, I'm okay with that. <laughs> I'm not trying to, you take over, you do your thing, I'll just, I'll be there. <laughs> I'll put some, some words out in the atmosphere when the time is right. So what do you think about the matchups then? I know 15th ranked Arizona, very good. You've got an Oregon State team that is right on the cusp, really, of breaking in, getting some big wins, which they are coming off a big win over then 10th ranked UCLA. Um, This is a team that's got some real good talent, and their only losses have been to some top 25 teams. So uh, it should be a really good matchup on Friday night. Yeah, from what I've watched, um, it's, it reminds me a lot that it's the styles clash because you have Arizona who loves to play up tempo. They love to play in the full court. They, they want to pressure the ball, uh, turn you over so they can get into fast breaks. Um, and they also, 
Um, their core group, they have three or four players that have been together for a couple of years now, and that, that makes a huge difference when you get into the half court. You know how to get each other open, and you also have a transfer from ASU and Jay Laville, um, who is a veteran as well. Like He's played in the conference. So it's a, they have a lot of weapons um, for Arizona, and then you have Oregon State, who they're – the, the win on Sunday was huge for them because I think it, it awakened their belief on a different level of like, yeah, we can do this, and welcome to the conference. And carrying that momentum um, with a win like that into um, an environment that is the McHale Center now um, with all with their crowd and how how exciting and exhilarating, mm-hmm. much like Gil, how that's going to be. Um, it's going to be really cool to see the different styles play, play out because uh, yeah. I think – uh, Coach Rook always has a game plan for each team, and I think how they executed on Sunday is going to give them a lot of confidence to execute their game plan against Arizona on Friday. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, Sydney Weiss, our guest. Uh, last couple of things I wanted to ask you. It's you, you mentioned five years since you've been out, and yet inside of that five years, actually in two years, we've gotten this new thing called uh, NIL and the transfer portal. What do you think of that? It's really chaos right now, and it, and it's. I would think that it would be harder for coaches to build programs because they have to build teams because of the movement every year. What as you just on the outside of that as a player, and you look back at what's happened these last two years, what goes through your mind? I'm grateful I was in college when I was in college. Um, to <laughs> yeah. sum it up, like you said, it's it's chaos. I think. What I appreciate about, um, and I know there's there's things always under the table and there's things that have happened within the NCAA and at um, individual institutions that there can be corruption anywhere. No place is perfect. Um, but I, I valued my time at Oregon State, um, now having experienced the professional level, because that was the last time that you really get to represent something bigger than yourself. It, it is not about you. It's about the university. It's about your teammates. And obviously we each make that choice to be outward focused and um, to take a lot of pride in what's on our chest um, in Oregon state and at each institution. But I think with the NIL situation and also with the transfer portal, it makes things really selfish um, and it's difficult I'm sure I can only imagine as a coach who's recruiting and even um, coaching in this, in this culture um, to build and to keep people. Um, And it it makes me sad because it's, it's, I feel like college, even though they're, like I said, it wasn't perfect, but it felt like the last pure time that you're in a group for the group and you don't really have to look out for yourself because your university is taking care of you Mm -hmm. as a collective and you want to just contribute to that. And I think with the transfer portal, there's a big difference between an unhealthy situation and an uncomfortable situation. Mm. And I'm not going to put people, I'm not going to assume what situation these kids are falling into, but I think a lot of them are confusing those situations. And the, when you're at a university, whether you're freshman through senior, it's uncomfortable all the time. And I think it's just an easier way for people to try and seek comfort that they're never going to find. And that's what has been happening within the transfer portal, too. Wow, you are wise beyond your years. I like the last couple of things you just said, especially the difference between uncomfortable and unhealthy. I'm going to steal that 
for lecturing my kids, <laughs> my fully adult children. I'm going to still use that. <laughs> and, and, and I like to, I, li- I agree with you on, on everything. I like this idea that it's the last bastion of, of uh, purity because you've experienced this. Once you start getting paid to do what you do, it takes that, it, it, it changes everything. It's a business, as we've heard pro athletes all talk about when they first leave college. It's a business and you're treated that way. And it's not as fun as mm-hmm. when you're, you're at it collegiately. And it, it seems to me that NIL and Transfer Portal, the combination of the two, would bring that business feeling into what you're saying. And I agree is the last bit of, of uh, the purity of just playing as a team. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, it's um, it makes me sad too because I I think that these are kids, and so you you give them financial opportunities that they don't even really comprehend because they don't know who they are. Yeah, and so it's tough to really step into representing things for the right reasons because a lot of these people see dollar signs and money talks. I mean, at every level, and it just makes me sad that these kids, yes, they have guidance with agents and um, adults who are supposed to have their best interests, but it, it can be scary when you get wrapped up into the wrong mindset instead of just keeping it simple. Like you get to get a degree and you get to play basketball with friends, for, like friends who you're going to call brothers or sisters for life. Yeah. And that jades the whole experience because you get caught up in stuff that you can get caught up when you're ready once you're done with college. That's my opinion. I know it's like it differs anywhere, but yeah. uh, that's why I valued my experience because it was just like you we a bunch of kids hooping every day. <laughs> it was so simple. Yeah. Last thing, Sydney, um, you mentioned coaching uh, at a prep school. Do you, is that something you might want to do? Or are you having a good time with that? I am. It has been really awesome. I, it's funny. I told, I was actually on the phone with um, Coach Rick yesterday because we had a coach's call in preparation for this weekend. And he was asking about how it was coaching. And I told him, I was like, you know what? I'm so sorry. <laughs> like, I'm sorry for some of the ways, you know, I went about my business as your player. Um, I think it's made me appreciate um, putting that co- the coaches that I've had in the past, like being in their shoes. Yeah. Um, these kids are great. Like, don't get me wrong. I've really enjoyed coaching them and, and walking with them. I love giving back and serving in that way. And um, it's so cool when you, you work on a concept and you see it come to life and you see their face light up because they know how hard they worked on it, whether it's an individual or a group. Like, I love that. Um, and so I, I think this weekend is going to be great to, to try the commentating hat for a little bit and um, to, to see what that's like. And then the coaching component, I think I will always love uh, because it's, there's nothing like being able to teach um, and give back that way. So I've really been enjoying it. Well, we had, uh, just before you came on, we had a guest, Heather Seeley Roberts, who uh, went to Crescent Valley, played basketball there, and and then uh, small college, and has been a coach for girls basketball for years and years, 30 years, great person, and she coaches boys basketball, and in Oregon, she coaches at the 6A, the highest level, and has her team completely turned around, Lincoln out of the PIL, and has been coaching boys basketball now for like five years, and and it's not even... I mean, it's just amazing. She can coach both, loves it, and it's just basketball. So, you know, a little inspiration there that there's, uh, there's a lot of doors you can open in the coaching ranks if you, uh, if you choose to go that direction. Yeah, that's an awesome story. I think it would be, it would be a cool dynamic to experience um, coaching boys. Having, now I've coached girls and can go to the different levels of high school 
college pro, and you hear stories like a Becky Hammond um, who have experienced the NBA, um, coming yeah. back to the WNBA, and um, it's really cool. Like I think if you if you know how to connect with people um, and you know the game, I that's why I love co- the idea of coaching and having been able to experience it now. It's, it's really cool to put those things together. Sydney, thanks for your time. Best of luck. We'll be watching tomorrow night and on Sunday. Um, are you under contract? Or are you still going for the WNBA? Yeah, so it's free agency right now. I'm a free agent, um, and so we'll see as the weeks go on where I'll end up. Um, and once you guys know that, and I'll know. Yeah, <laughs> that's where we're at for the WNBA. Yeah, that's how the pros work. Best of luck to you, Sydney, and Beaver Nation loves you and says hello to you collectively. And thanks for taking time out for us today. Thank you so much. It was great to be with you guys. As always, go Beavs, and we'll be in touch. All right, there you go. That's uh, Sydney Weiss, former outstanding player for Oregon State, taking the team to the Final Four and and. She was like that as a student athlete. She was always fun to talk to, mature beyond her years. As you brought up, I li- I I did like the sentence, the 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 way she put it. Even though I don't completely agree with her, uncomfy uncomfy versus unhealthy yeah. in terms of college. People view uncomfy as a reason to leave. While you know, while it's not pleasant, you can always work through it and mm-hmm. eventually be successful. Unhealthy, mm-hmm. I mean. Yeah, you don't want to be there, right? Of course, and right. sometimes that line just gets blurred, and oh, you, and you don't know, and you go in the portal, and you know, the uh, the portal closes. By the way, in thirteen days, I believe. I think it's the eighteenth. And then so, the chaos ends, or does it open yeah, back up in but, May? But the thing is, if you think about it, for a, a school like Oregon State, school starts on Monday. Mm-hmm. So if you're not enrolled, you can't enroll at a semester school until the summer. And you can't all the summer. Oh, I think you could come in during a quarter. But the same thing with quarter schools. You can enroll again until the quarter. So it's just something to think about if you want to be there on time. That's mostly in the football perspective of things for spring football. But that's what it is. That's a, the deadline does loom. So I, I failed you. You did. I said to her, you couldn't find anything for the last year, and here you have it all written out. Oh. That's my bad. Okay. Well, I had, yeah, I, I did put it over there. You did. I thought you saw I it. I covered it up with my own notes. Oh, it's Sorry okay. about that. It's all right. Let's break, and we'll come back and wrap up the show for today here on the Joe Beaver Show. Wow, great guests. Lamar Hurd, uh, Heather Seeley Roberts, and then Sydney Weiss. I don't know how we're going to top that tomorrow, but we'll figure something out. Be right back. Weddings, anniversaries, holiday parties, corporate events, large or small, make them spectacular with Forks and Corks Catering. From delicious bites to signature cocktails, they'll ensure an experience that is a delight for you and your guests. With their fresh cuisine, artful presentation, and polished service, Forks and Corks always creates a spectacular symphony of sensory delight. View their menu and list of venues online. Forks and Corks Catering, events designed to delight. Catering to the Willamette Valley since 2011. Does your financial advisor take the time to really listen to you? Is your financial strategy personalized for you and your family? Will your financial advisor be there as your life and financial situation change? Hi, I'm former Oregon State athlete Tim Ewis, your Corvallis Edward Jones financial advisor. When we work together, we'll focus on what's important to you. We'll use an established process to create a personalized financial strategy backed by the advice, tools, and resources to help you reach your goals. And we'll partner to help your strategy stay on track. Contact me today, 541 758 Edward Jones, member SIPC. 
At Albin's Plumbing, we're boring. Hi, I'm Katie Albin, and I want everyone to know that at Albin's Plumbing, we're boring. Directional boring, to be exact. So if you need to run a pipe underground, under a driveway, or under a sidewalk, and you don't want to destroy your yard in the process, the boring people at Albin's Plumbing can help you with your directional boring. Just give us a call. At Albin's Plumbing, plumbing's all we do. Call 754-8282, Albin's Plumbing. Ah, the RV life. Carefree living at its best. Find everything you need for worry-free RV living at Lassen RV Parts and Service. At Lassen RV, you can talk to experts who will see to it that you have the right solution for your RV. We carry everything right down to the special RV-approved two-ply toilet paper. Lassen RV and Lassen RV Parts and Service, where friends send their friends. Just east of I-5 on Highway 20 in Albany and at LassenRV.com. Do you ever experience headaches or how about back pain? Here at Horesco Chiropractic, we truly believe that everybody deserves to live a life without pain. Our doctors will get to the root of your condition and create a custom treatment plan to help you get back to living the best version of your life. Our patients often say how amazed they feel to live a life with less pain after they have experienced how effective chiropractic care is. Start on the journey of improved health by giving us a call today or visiting our website at horesco.com. Horesco Chiropractic in Corvallis. We really can make a world of difference for you. If you feel you're overpaying on your taxes and you're not as profitable as you should be, you're not alone. At Tax and Wealth Management in Corvallis, they can help because that's what they do. They work with individuals and business owners to lower your taxes, increase your profit, and manage your cash flow. They provide bookkeeping and payroll services too. Give them a call at 541-753-4185. That's 753-4185. And get in the game. Tax and Wealth Management in Corvallis, your hometown tax team. And go be. Hey everyone, if you're looking for an appliance like a refrigerator or a freezer or dishwasher, cooking appliances, washers and dryers, or an appliance accessory, contact Kellenberger Appliance in Lebanon, the best place to buy appliances at 21 Main Street in Lebanon. They offer install and delivery on the product they sell like Whirlpool, Frigidaire, Maytag, Speed Queen. They even offer service on most major brands. Kellenberger Appliance at 21 Main Street in Lebanon and on the web at kellenbergers.com. You never know. Someone will pull up the, the schedule yeah, we and, don't. and show what the past was. We only have a few minutes left. Wow. Thanks to uh, our three guests. Good good group of guests today. Really good group of guests. And uh, I just texted Heather back. I'm a, I'm a Lincoln fan now. There you go. By the way, if you're still listening, Heather, here's some trivia just to drop on your, your team to seem really cool. The voice of Bugs Bunny graduated from Lincoln High School. Mel, oh, we did. Mel Blank went to Lincoln High School back in the 20s. It's wabbit season. <laughs> no, he's it's he's duck known season. as the greatest voiceover talent of all time. No, I don't disagree with that. Yeah, yeah. I, he, I a, don't. He's a Portland native, Lincoln High School. That's the only thing I know about Lincoln High School and the history. What's and up, I, Doc? And then I think it's where I don't honestly. Uh, they've always just been outside of Civic Stadium, as I've known it. And oh, there's Lincoln High School. I don't think I've ever been in there. I my a cardinal is my favorite bird, and. So they are the Cardinals, but uh, sorry, she. I know. I can just tell you this: wherever Heather Roberts has gone, the team prior to that was terrible, and she turned them around in three years and got them into the playoffs. Seems pretty good. Won a title with Yamhill Carlton after they went three wins the year before, took them and won the championship in a couple of years at Yamhill Carlton, and then did the same thing with 
Now, I don't know about the girls' basketball records and mm-hmm. what she did no, there. No, but it was 20, 20 years of coaching in women's basketball, four years at in a, at, a, at a college. I think it was Southwest Virginia. Yeah. And then the prior 16 years was uh, was at high school. But I we didn't ask her, but I'm curious to see if she would consider going back to college once her sons graduate. Become the first woman collegiate boys coach. Yeah, Although I think she that's could. Been, I think that's been done. Yeah. At a small college. Or maybe she likes just coaching high school. That's yeah. fine. No problem with that. No. And then, of course, Sydney was fantastic. She'll be uh, an analyst tomorrow night on the Pac-12 Network with Ann Schatz for Oregon State women's basketball and uh, taking on uh, uh, Arizona. And then what's the third thing that I was going to say? Uh, Lamar Hurd and the Blazers. And then we did get a text that I didn't see until uh, Lamar was done. It's Scheduling from, one? No, it's from Mark. Mentioned Jeff Clark, Director of Player Health and Performance, OSU 1990s. Been with the Blazers for 25 years. I didn't, I didn't know that. So, Mark, thanks for that. Um, and we're down to our last 30 seconds. All right, what do we know about tomorrow? Mike Parker will join us for in-between games, re- reaction and preview. And I don't know that we have anybody else. We have up. some requests out to uh, to the South Carolina area to for someone to talk to us about DJ, but and we have we have not gotten a bite. The line has been cast. The great Mickey Lolich is a Lincoln High School grad. I did not know that. That's interesting, Mike. Mike just texted me that. Great stuff. All right, we're done. Have a great day. Talk again tomorrow on the Joe Beaver Show. K-E-J-O Corvallis. And translator, K-229-D-I Corvallis. The home of the Beavers. 1240 Joe Radio.